Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. We're pleased today to have a uh, imam and professor, Saeed Suhawadi, who comes to us from Karachi, Pakistan, originally. He's an Islamic scholar, but his education from the University of New Jersey and in Calgary is in engineering. And he received his early Islamic education in Pakistan, and he is currently the founder of the Muslims Against Terrorism, and he is also the spiritual leader of the Sunnis in Canada. We are pleased to have him, and because our time is limited, I'm going to leave the introduction at that. Other than to say today he's going to talk about ISIS, something we've all read about, heard about, and he is going to talk about how they fit into the Islamic groups in the Arab world and explain where they originated, what they stand for, and what he sees for the future of the organization. On behalf of SACPA and on behalf of the University of Lethbridge, who are our co-sponsors, Shaw Television and the radio station CKXU, we welcome all of you here today. And Professor Saeed, come in. Join us. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah, the Most Beneficent, the Most Merciful, I bring to you the greeting of Islam. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. Good morning. Good afternoon. I'm delighted to be here. I'm honored, and thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you. I'm glad my wife came with me. She's here, and Shaheen. And um, so, just quickly. Um, uh, I'm going to f- speak a few minutes about uh, my faith and uh, what is the going on in the world uh, by ISIS and other terrorist organizations. And I want to say one thing, and I'm requesting all of you, there is no offensive question for me. So I will speak less, and I want you to ask questions, because those questions are very important for me, and I love to answer those questions. So don't hesitate. Uh, to ask questions, and if we cannot discuss uh, in detail, we can discuss afterwards. I'm here all day, and uh, then we have a program in the evening at the university as well, so uh, you, we, can, we can discuss there as well. So, uh, as I'm, I'm not going to introduce Islam. I think we all know what Islam is. Uh, Islam is a religion, and I, I'm a Muslim. Uh, there are almost more than a million Canadians are Muslim. Canada is a very different country what it used to be 50, 100 years ago. It's a large Muslim population across the country. There are almost 60 to 70,000 Muslims just in Calgary. And almost uh, uh, half a million Muslims in, 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 in Ontario. And uh, across the country is more than a million Muslims. We are 1.6 billion Muslims around the world. And uh, almost 57 countries are majority Muslim countries. Islam, as we know, Islam means submission, and Islam means also peace. Submission to God. As a Muslim, we believe in uh, six 
beliefs that every Muslim has to believe. We believe in the oneness of God and we do not associate any partners with God in His worship. When we worship, we worship only God. And we believe in all the uh, prophets of, uh, even the biblical prophets. We believe in Jesus Christ, by the way. But we do not believe Him as a Son of God. We believe Him as a prophet of God. We believe in Bible as a word of God. We believe Quran is a continuation of Bible. And in the Holy Quran, which is our book, God completed His guidance. We believe in angels. And we believe there is a life after this death. And there will be a judgment day. Then we will be all standing in front of our Creator. In Arabic, the Creator is called Allah. In English, it is called God. Some people think that Muslims worship a moon god. We don't worship moon god. Or Muslim god used to live in Saudi Arabia. No, our god does not live in Saudi Arabia. Our god lives here too. And that is our creator. That the one who created all of us. We believe in Jesus Christ as a prophet of God. And we believe that Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the final and the last messenger of God. Upon whom God completed his guidance. Quran, which is our book, never com- claimed that Quran is bringing something new. Our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, never said that he is bringing something new. He said many times that I am just giving you the same message what Jesus Christ gave, what Moses gave, what David gave, and all these biblical prophets. We believe in all of them. And they said the same thing, that you worship one God, who is our creator. So these are the beliefs of Islam. Now, in order to express these beliefs, every Muslim have five uh, actions or deeds or rituals or traditions. We, every Muslim has to declare that he or she is a Muslim. We cannot be a secret Muslim. Because declaration of faith, which is called Shahada, is the first pillar of Islam. That is why when somebody is forcefully converted to Islam, it bothers me. It bothers me more than anybody else. Because I know a person cannot be forcefully converted to Islam. Because Islam does not recognize that person as a Muslim. If that person's heart is not in Islam. So when ISIS and other terrorist organizations, we know that they have forced many people in the Middle East. Yazidis and Christians. And they force them to convert to Islam. It is against Islam. It is wrong. It is against our beliefs. So the first pillar of Islam is called Shahada, which is declaration of faith. You have to be Muslim openly through your free will and choice. You cannot be forced. Second pillar of Islam that we pray, every Muslim pray five times a day, which is a mandatory prayers. I'm not going to go into the detail of those prayers. Um, And our prayers are mandatory for every man and woman. But there are certain exceptions. And our prayers are associated with this movement of sun. The first prayer is before sunrise. The second prayer is close to noontime. And the third prayer is afternoon. Fourth prayer after sunset. And the fifth prayer before we go to bed at night. Every Muslim has to fast in the month of Ramadan. Muslims follow a lunar calendar. Just like our Jewish brothers and sisters, they have their lunar calendar. We also have a lunar calendar. And in the, the ninth month of the lunar calendar, which is Islamic calendar, is called Ramadan. 
And in that month, every Muslim has to fast from dawn to sunset every day. After sunset, they can eat. From dawn to sunset, they stay, not eat or drink anything. Not even liquids, water, nothing goes into the system. Not even smoking, if somebody smokes, which is a bad thing anyway. <clears throat> so, so the fasting is the month of Ramadan is mandatory for every adult person, not children, not sick people. There are exceptions, and I'm not going to go into the, uh, the laws of those uh, fastings. Every Muslim who has certain investments and saving has to give a charity, mandatory charity. And you might have heard the concept of flat tax. It's a very Islamic concept, by the way. Every Muslim has to pay 2.5% of their savings and investments every year. And this is called zakat. But you have to have a minimum investments and savings. And the last pillar, which is the fifth pillar of Islam, that once in a lifetime, every Muslim has to go to city of Makkah, which is in Saudi Arabia, and perform Hajj, which is our pilgrimage. Once in a lifetime, it's a compulsory for those who can afford to travel, have enough money, and healthy enough to travel. So only these two conditions, if anybody fulfills it, that person has an obligation to perform Hajj in Saudi Arabia. So these are the five pillars of Islam, six beliefs of Islam. Let me go to what is happening uh, in the name of Islam around the world. I was talking to media uh, before this speech. Uh, the, the root cause of the problem is not <clears throat> what we think that people are just fanatics. In Islam, in, unfortunately, during the first century of Islam, Muslims faced the same problem what we are facing today. So this is not a new problem for Muslims. But we do not know our 14th century of history that's why we think this is something new for us. Right after the death of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, there was some sort of, um, uh, I would say, within the 30 years, there was some uprising against the caliph, the third caliph of Islam, caliph like a president or a prime minister, right? And Hazrat Usman. And, and these people came from Syria and Iraq, by the way. Those who caused rebellion against the government. They had the same mindset as some of the old movements in the Western world. We know that there are some groups who do not accept the authority of the government. They say, oh, no government, we don't accept government authority. Everybody is free to do whatever they want to do. These people had the same mindset. They did not accept the authority of the government. They did not want to follow the laws of the government. And these people did emerge from Syria and Iraq right during the third caliph of Islam, which is the 30 years after the death of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And they murdered him. They killed him. And when the fourth caliph, Imam Ali, he became the ruler of this uh, Muslim country, or Islamic country at that time, uh, they also created rebellion against him. And they also murdered him. They murdered, I'm talking the first century of Islam, they murdered thousands and thousands of Muslims because those Muslims refused to accept what they interpreted Islam is. Their interpretation of Islam was quite different than the interpretation of Islam even by those people who followed Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, during his lifetime. They accepted Islam on the hands of Muhammad, peace be upon him. They were brought to Islam by Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So they learned Islam from him. 
And these people who emerged from Syria and Iraq, they said, no, you don't understand Quran. You don't understand what Islam is. We tell you what Islam is all about. And they murdered him. Many of them. They killed the grandson of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. I'm, I'm just giving you an historical background of this whole crisis, what we are facing today. They killed the grandson of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, who he loved most, Imam Hussein. Because he stood up against them. And he told them that your Islam, version of Islam, your understanding of Islam, your interpretation of Islam is dead wrong. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is what happened during the first century of Islam, right from Syria and Iraq. These people were from Syria and Iraq. And they were very violent. They were very cruel. They were very uncontrolled, who would not accept the authority of government. And they were called Khawarij. Khawarij is an Arabic word, means outsiders. The companion of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, who are most honorable for every Muslim because they saw Muhammad, peace be upon him. They called them Khawarij. They did not accept them as a Muslim. So this is very important for you to understand that this is from the start. How Muslims were um, upset and they disowned these people and they, they did not accept them as Muslim. They were called Khawarij. Khawarij means outsiders. They, but, the, but the people who were violent, they were saying, we understand Islam better. We can interpret Quran better. They killed the son-in-law of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. You can see how grave the situation was at that time. Now that Khawarij ideology is in, in fact was revived revived during the jihad of Afghanistan what happened when the Soviet Union came to Afghanistan and the western world wanted to find the Soviet domination in Afghanistan and nobody was willing to fight so what we did unfortunately and this is the truth that with with the United States and the Western countries, they went, they armed what we call Mujahideen. Mujahideen, we armed them. The West armed them. America trained them. These were people who have the same mindset as the Khawarij. And in today's time, we call them Wahhabis. Wahhabi Salafi ideology is originated in Saudi Arabia about more than a hundred years ago. As you know, if you, a lot of people, and I'm sure you are very learned people, you know the history. Arabian Peninsula was not Saudi Arabia. It was a different tribes, different regions. They were all united by a person of Kilarji. His name was Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab. And the ruling royal uh, family of Saudi Arabia, their uh, forefathers, and this Kilarji person, they brought politics and religion together. They used religion to unite people, to unite the area of Arabian Peninsula, and they formed Saudi Arabia. During the formation of Saudi Arabia, hundreds and hundreds of Muslims were killed. Because this used to be part of Ottoman Empire. Ottoman used to rule that part of the world, Turkish. And they did not accept Turks as to be their rulers. Why? Turks were Muslims. They were Muslims. 
But they said, Turks are non-Arabs. And we will not accept non-Arabs to be our rulers. So the Arab nationalism was emerged. And Arab nationalism brought in that area. And they fought against the Ottoman Empire. Ottoman Empire fall, fell down, we all know that. But these people used Islam to kill those people who were opposed their ideology. And they did not accept. And the same mindset was emerged during the Afghan Jihad. And they were armed. They were given weapons. They were given lots of money. And Al-Qaeda was created. Taliban was created. And these people, I'm, I'm saying this with all my responsibility. Just like Christian faith, there are a lot of denominations and a lot of sects in Christian faith. We have Protestants, we have Catholics, we have Baptists, we have Lutheran, we have United, we have so many churches. Similarly, Muslims are divided too. Muslims are not monolithic. But people think Muslim, all Muslims are the same. No, we are not the same. Basically, we are divided into two denominations. Just like Catholics and Protestants, Muslims are divided into Sunnis and Shias. Then Sunnis are subdivided into different sects. Shias are also divided into different sects. Now, Sunni Muslims are not just one monolithic denomination. Wahhabi Salafi school of thought was created within the Muslim community about 150 years ago. It never existed before. Yes, the ideology of Khawarij was during the first century of Islam. This Wahhabi Salafi school of thought emerged using the same ideology that the Khawarij used or those rebellions who were in, in the 21st, uh, during the first century of Islam. Muslims are also divided. The Wahhabi ideology is based upon one thing, the same ideology that the Khawarij used. That they had no tolerance for disagreement. If you disagree with them, you are an infidel. And I have the right to kill you. Whether you are a Muslim, or a Christian, or a Jewish, or a Hindu, or a Sikh, or an agnostic. They don't care. You disagree with them, they have the right to kill. This was the mindset of Khawarij, and this is the mindset of today's Wahhabi Salafi people. So these Wahhabi Salafis were armed to fight for against, uh, against Soviet Union in Afghan Jihad. And they defeated the Soviet Union. And they had the weapons, they had the training. And then, five, six years ago, again, we wanted to remove Bashar al-Assad in Syria. So we wanted to start a movement there. Saudi Arabia created ISIS. Saudi Arabia created a lot of other groups to fight against Bashar al-Assad. We gave them support. There were funding, there were weapons, there were training. ISIS has the most sophisticated weapons. They did not manufacture those weapons in Syria or in their own remote village. Somebody gave them. These sophisticated technology, they have the best weapons. They are the wealthiest terrorist organization in the world. My dear brothers and sisters, somebody gave them. And that somebody is our short-sightedness, exactly the same thing what we did in Afghanistan. We gave weapons, we trained them, we fund them, Taliban, and they 
when they defeated Soviet Union, they turned their weapons towards us, towards West, towards United States. ISIS and other groups, Khorasan and other groups, were created with the help from Saudi Arabia, of course. Saudi Arabia was there in the formation of Taliban. Pakistan was there in the formation of Taliban. But the blessing was from United States. Similarly, with, to fight against Bashar al-Assad, there was Saudi Arabia who helped to form these groups and these groups fought against Bashar al-Assad. Then they started fighting among themselves and now they are fighting against us. ISIS is not, in my opinion, an overwhelming majority of Muslims. They are not Muslims who follow Islam. They have their own interpretation of Islam, which was exactly the Khawarij interpretation of Islam, which mainstream Muslims never accepted. And I'm going to wrap up in just two, three more minutes, and then I will open up for question and answer. What is the difference between us and ISIS? In Islam, sanctity of life is the most important belief in Islam. Sanctity of life. Let me give you an example. In the Holy Quran, it is mentioned that saving one life as if you have saved the entire humanity. Killing one person as if you have killed the entire humanity. ISIS don't follow this verse. But majority, overwhelming majority of Muslims follow this verse. That's why we disagree. Look at the sayings of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, who is our model. We follow him. We love him. For a Muslim, the most sacred and holiest place on planet earth is in Makkah. You might have seen on TV, there is a black covered cubicle building that the Muslim goes round. This is called part of our pilgrimage. It's called Kaaba. It's a, it is inside the Grand Mosque of Makkah. Masjid al-Haram. It's a Grand Mosque of Makkah. And that building called Kaaba. And we go seven times around that building. And this is the holiest place for every Muslim. Regardless, Shia or Sunni or whatever the sect is. And Muhammad, peace be upon him, he looked at the Kaaba and he says, life of a person is more holy than Kaaba. Life of a person is more precious than Kaaba. So you can see the sanctity of life is so important in Islam. In Islamic law, it is, I'm talking from, from Jewish point, uh, uh, prudence point of view. If I am praying, and when a Muslim pray, we don't talk, we don't see around, we just focus. And it is the law that if somebody is threatened, or somebody's life is threatened, somebody needs help, you break your prayer, and you go and help that person. Helping of a human being is more important, even than the worship of God. That is our belief. So ISIS does not believe that. They kill. Do we know that how many Muslims they have killed? Just in Syria. I know ISIS calls Sunni Muslims. And they are killing Shias. But nobody knows. I think not many people know. They have killed 10,000 Sunni Muslims. Just in Syria. And Shias, we do not know how many they have killed. Hundreds and thousands. They have killed Christians too. They have killed Yazidis too. But they have killed 10,000 Sunni Muslims too. They are violent people. 
they just they are causing terrorism to, for, towards everybody muslims and non muslim that's the way they are isis the one most important difference between us and isis in islam we coexisted with christians and jews for centuries yes there has been some pockets conflicts where there has been problem but overwhelming majority of muslims around the world for 14 centuries have lived in peace generally there has been crusaders there has been conflict between turkey and armenia and we know those things but overwhelming majority worldwide majority of muslims have lived in peace with jews this conflict in in israel and palestine was about 60 70 years ago when it emerged after that there has been a problem has grown up quite a bit but in the past there was not so many at wide spread as we see today problem between jews and muslims similarly christians and muslims have lived in peace and in islam also in the holy quran what these isis people do they take the verses of the holy quran out of context and i'm sure some of you may have those questions too and i, I will be happy if you raise any um, verse from the holy quran and i will explain to you my dear brothers and sisters i know majority of people are here uh, christians and i'm asking you if somebody takes verses of bible out of context will they not reach to the wrong conclusion every verse just like bible in the quran have a context you cannot just literally read the translation and say oh muslims hate jews and christians they said don't make friends jews or christians no there is no such thing muhammad peace be upon him let me give you an example because i am going back to the root so you can see who is our model we should not be making isis as our guide we should be making muhammad peace be upon him as our guide and we should be making those scholars of islam who were unanimously agreed on these traditions one of the wife of prophet muhammad peace be upon him was her name was sophia she was jewish Muhammad peace be upon him passed away a long time ago and she was still alive and when his wife Sophia may Allah peace upon her before her death she wrote a will i'm giving you an example right from the root from the source you can see we don't hate jews we don't hate christians we love and we recognize yes we disagree of course christian disagree with islam and muslim muslim disagree with christians on beliefs but there is no hate there is no animosity we have coexisted in the past in the holy quran it is mentioned o muslims christians are nicer to you than other groups and we know and the reason what mentioned in the holy quran because what quran says christians have soft heart they have a tender heart this is in the quran prophet muhammad wife when she before she passed away she wrote a will because she her background was jewish in her will she said that a certain portion of her inheritance should go to her cousin who was still jewish if we hated jews then why she would write this thing <laughs> if she wanted to write somebody should have stopped her but no there is no such thing in islam within the muslim community overwhelming majority of muslims yes just like christian in western world in christian faith there has been aryan nation there are ku klux klan there are racists there are hate mongers we unfortunately we have the same similar problem too 
So it's a human issue, not a religious issue, not a Canadian issue. It's a bad human being, could be a Muslim and could be a Christian, could be a Jewish, could be anybody. So we have coexisted and we, we our religion does not say you hate Jews and Christians. No. We, we, we love and respect every human being. Sanctity of life of every human being is very important. My dear brothers and sisters, let me just quickly talk about jihad because this is very important. A lot of people uh, think that, that jihad is what is causing this whole trouble. The word jihad means struggle. Jihad is not mean pick up your weapons and go and kill your enemies. No, it is not. I'm not... It's a very detailed topic. I know I want you to ask questions. But this is maybe, it will answer some of your questions you might have. Jihad has three levels. But jihad means a struggle. The first level of jihad is a struggle against my own self. Every human being has a tendency to do wrong. Every human being can commit sins. And we do commit sin. We are all committing sin. Struggling our own self to stop from committing sin, it is a jihad. It is the first level of jihad. That you stop yourself from doing evil. That is jihad. Do we not all do this thing? So all we jihadis? I do not know. But we struggle against ourselves. Then the second level of jihad, and this is coming from Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. It is not me. The second level of jihad, what he has described, if you see something wrong in the community, then speak against it. Write against it. Don't we all do this thing? This is the second level of jihad. Now, third level of jihad is that if a country, and these are I'm using these words, please uh, um, pay attention to my words, because this is what where the whole problem starts. If a country is attacked, you have the right to defend yourself. God forbid, if somebody attacks Canada, Canada, Canadian Armed Forces, all of us will defend our country. Absolutely, yes. Exactly same law in Islam. When you are attacked, you have the right to defend yourself. And that is the armed struggle. Now, in that armed struggle, what is called jihad, the armed jihad, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, has given us the ethics. I challenge that anybody can show me 14 centuries ago such war ethics. Vienna Convention was just created a few years ago. Muhammad, peace be upon him, he gave us the convention of wars 14 centuries ago. And you know what is his convention? His convention is, even at war, when you are defending yourself, do not kill children. Do not kill women. It's not just Muslim women. Any woman. Do not kill elderly. Do not destroy the places of worship of any religion. I'm just finishing up. Do not destroy the places of worship of any religion. Do not destroy hospitals. Do not contaminate water. Or you want to put poison in the water so your enemy when drink, they die. Don't do it. Do not cut green trees. These are war ethics of Islam. Do you think all these ISIS people are fulfilling these war ethics? Absolutely not. They are a bunch of thugs. They are terrorists. They are wrong. And we as Christians, Jews, Muslims, 
all Canadians, we stand together to fight this terrorism. Thank you very much. We'll have questions later.